This is the Michigan Business Network. Welcome, everyone, to the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. So glad you joined us today and really excited to have with us a gentleman that I've recently met and I think a lot of in terms of the leadership that he's exhibited and some of the things he's involved with. I was curious and I thought we'd discover his world along with you, our audience today. His name is Tom Hamp. He's the executive and business coach for AdvoCoach of Mid-Michigan. Tom, how are you doing today? Great, Vix. Thanks for uh, inviting me aboard. Well, I'm glad you're here. And when I heard the title and the organization, it immediately intrigued me. And so tell me, uh, I guess, the elevator speech of what it is that you do with this organization. Sure. So what we do here at AvaCoach is we really provide transformational coaching and for businesses, executives of those businesses. And it's really tailored to each business's individual needs because we know that you know every business is extremely different. So our services address, and in fact, this is on the back of my business card, the financial mismanagement, ineffective marketing, underperforming sales, a lack of capital management, and ironically, poor leadership within business. Uh, <laughs> and you got all that on the back of a business card. I love it, though, because it kind of yeah. wraps up a lot of what ails companies, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right, gets right to the heart of it. Well, so Tom, uh, tell me, where's the hometown for you? Where were you born and raised? So in Gratiot County, a little town by the name of Sumner, Michigan. It's nine huh? miles outside of Ithaca, Michigan, which is right next to the freeway going north. Grew up in just a small community up there, Class C high school. Did the Sadie Hawkins things, you know, just the stuff that small towns have come accustomed to and love that small town feel. So really, that's where I grew up, kind of going to a small school and really having those types of experiences. Well, I think it sounds to me like it's one of those towns that have the population on the sign. Is that kind of the way that goes? And that can change depending on whether who got married and who's having kids, right? (laughs) No doubt about it. You're exactly right. Yeah. Well, you know, growing up in a small town, I did too. I always found of of saying Gregory, Michigan, you know, was our hometown. And it's just great to live in those kind of environments and some of the wonderful people that you meet along the way. And We always used to tell our kids when we were raising them back when they were younger, listen, whatever you do in a small town, we're going to find out about it because everybody knows everybody else's kids and they're all (laughs) watching out for them to make sure they're behaving themselves, you know? community everybody raises the children in a small community yeah absolutely so when you got started tell me about the origins because you just didn't jump into coaching as a 18 20 year old young man tell me about where you got started and what was the first step as you went out of the small hometown well yeah so growing up i will tell you i came from a divorced family so i actually left my mom's house with four other siblings at 12 years old to go live with my biological father so right away there are some different dynamics going on and that type of thing. And then three years after that, my dad got a divorce from his second wife and moved in with somebody else. So there's a lot of jostling. So I knew early on, especially in high school, once I graduated high school, they asked me to move out. So I knew a lot of the things that I had to do were going to be on me. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about the community looking out for you. I had so many people looking out for me. I was involved in sports. I was involved in band. I was just looked after. Good friends of my family, good parents of my good friend took me on some family vacations. My sixth grade teacher and her husband are my godparents. My girlfriend's parents paid for many things as a senior, such as my senior pictures. My baseball coach, uh, one of the things he told me, and he picked me up a lot of times for school because it was on his way, told me he was going to make a star out of me. And he didn't necessarily mean a baseball star or a sports star, but just he saw things in me that really kind of, you know, helped me along the way. So, and he had a lot of great lessons, which we probably will talk about here coming up. But again, 
a small community. I don't know where I would be if I grew up in a larger community such as Detroit or Chicago or something like that where you may have gotten lost. So that's really set the stage for what I needed to do. So after I left there, I went to really a small college down in southeast lower Michigan, which is Oakland University. Oh, yeah, sure. Is that Oakland Grizzlies? It wasn't at the time. It's the Oakland Golden Grizzlies now, but we're the Oakland Pioneers back in 1982. Why they changed maybe to become more modern, I'm not sure. When we go to the basketball games, the volleyball games, we had our coonskin caps on as the Pioneers. (laughs) Now it's a whole different deal. Well, the Oakland Um, Golden Grizzlies sounds a little more threatening, you know, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. The Pioneers sound like going to break out a potluck or something at the game. I don't know. Right, no kidding. So, and the interesting thing about there wasn't this huge university, although they have a number of commuter students, the kids, uh, the students that lived on campus were very small. I'm going to guess about 10 to 15% of the students live on campus. So it was a very small community, a lot like high school, I think kind of fit from where I came from. We all ate our meals in one cafeteria. They had only about seven different dorms. So again, it fit kind of my mentality going forward. And I had some leadership opportunities. After my second or third year, I became a resident assistant on some of the floors. I become involved in many of the student activities there and that type of thing. So again, set everything up to that point experience-wise, set me up for you know what I was going to experience in Isn't the Isn't it wonderful to see some of the paths that we go down and some of the ways that people that have affected us at the right time in our life? I've always said I think that God puts the right people in your life just in the time when you need them the most. And so it's kind of fun to watch that. I can't wait to unpack all this story. Tom, it sounds like such an interesting journey for you. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you can do for other leaders that have tuned in today here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. We do office and have been exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI is celebrating its 30th anniversary as a premier office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. Find out what DBI can do for your office at dbis.com. You found the Leadership Lowdown. We found Tom Hamp. He's the executive and business coach of Advy Coach of Mid-Michigan, and you've tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. Tom, what a fun first segment, kind of talk about all the meandering path and a lot of people that have contributed to your success, which we're going to hear more about here as we get going. But as I think about some of your early steps, tell me, you finished down in Oakland and you head out looking for work. What did you end up with? 
Yeah, so just before I got out, out of Oakland University, I got an opportunity to be an intern at IBM, pretty large company, and it was in the administrative part. It was not the most exciting job, but shortly after I got that, within about six, nine months, an opportunity opened up on the sales side. The position was called marketing support assistant, and I worked under a sales rep. Each sales rep at IBM had their own marketing support assistant, and I happened to be under a gentleman by the name of John Martino was a great sales rep for the copier division at IBM. I know that's interesting to talk about copiers in IBM, but they were a big competitor of the Xeroxes and the Kodaks back in the day with the very large copiers. And so he let me do a lot of things at IBM, such as set up demonstrations, appointments, go out and do some prospecting and sales calls, both with him and by myself. So it gave me early on a sense of, is this something that I wanted to be involved with long-term? Yeah. And so he kind of set the stage for that. Well, you know, and isn't that a blessing to be in a situation where you can kind of have a chance to try it on? I've always marveled at these young people that know exactly what they want to do in their life, and they just charge off and hammer it out versus some others of us, like me, that end up kind of going, well, I don't know. I guess I got to figure that out and see what I like. And sounds like you had that chance early on. That was a pretty exciting moment for you. What was your early lessons that you learned that you thought, wow, this is what I like the best? Well, yeah. So I had a communications degree and I really didn't know, but it really exposed me to a lot of things. So some highlights were the ability to have some freedom. You weren't stuck in an office chair all day, that type of thing, but you certainly had to be disciplined. John certainly checked up on me, gave me, you know, certain tasks to do and expectations. And then he kind of left me alone and said, you know, you said you're going to do this. Let's go do this. But it also helped guide me too when I come back with some things that maybe didn't go so well and that type of thing. But some of the down things too is that this prospecting thing, the sales thing, is not, you know, the way some people make it look or it's portrayed on TV, it's not as easy as it sounds. (laughs) I got my teeth kicked in a few times when people just didn't want to talk to, you know, a certain sales rep knocking on their door and talking about copiers. Well, Tom, you know, I've always said, you know, let me tell you, sales, you get paid to the penny what you're worth. And I think that's what's interesting. A lot of people, you know, they look at these different things and I'm like, look, if it was easy and everybody could do it, we couldn't pay salespeople what we pay them to do what they do. And, you know, so many people put so many different issues into it. And, you know, somebody said one time that all sales is is a great conversation that ends with somebody writing a check. And if nobody writes the check, you've had a great conversation. And so tell me that sales thing isn't always a naturally discovered process. It has to be coached and trained and somebody mentor you along the way. Did you get some help in that degree? Yeah, I think IBM does a wonderful job. But as you know, as I mentioned, I was just an intern. And shortly after my first year being that marketing support assistant, Eastman Kodak Company and purchased IBM's copier division. So I went and kind of interviewed for my first real job out of college coming along for that particular company. And so they bought them. They actually we're doing the interviewing and training for nationwide. So we didn't actually train up in the Rochester facility. 24 of us, mostly young kids out of school, were trained at a regional facility out of Oak Brook, Illinois. So it was just kind of a little, you know, six weeks training, by the way, six <laughs> weeks of training before we even talked to a customer where we were practicing demonstrations and our cold calling ability and taking tests on product knowledge and that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's done yet today, but that was how we started there at Eastman Kodak Company selling copiers. Well, I think it's funny because I've been in charge of some sales training programs and such. And sometimes when you get into six weeks, 
after a while, you're like, let me go do the job. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like you forgot everything you started with because yeah. day one, you're going to meet somebody that that wasn't in the script for crying out loud. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's really funny. Well, and that's really part of it. I'm sure you had to be a little bit nervous because the people you're going in that are decision makers are experienced business people. And here you're a young man without a whole lot of credentials on your side at that point in time, right? Oh, you're exactly right. Especially when you're young, you did have some of those people that pushed back and said, Tom, you know, you're two months into the business. Why should I buy from you? And again, Eastman Codex's tremendous training program is that we're not just out here by ourselves, right? We got a great team, copy your business. You relied on your CSRs. You relied on your service people. We've got a team behind us, that type of thing. So we went into a lot of that, but there was a lot of, you know, it's all about confidence as well and making sure that how you show up in a call and those types of things. And then you also had your current customers too, that if you got, you know, your face bashed in enough, you could go to your current customers and get a fresh jolt of, uh, hey, we appreciate you, how things going, that kind of stuff to have a good conversation. (laughs) Lift yourself back up. You know, I swear in sales management, the biggest thing is keeping the helmet strapped on. And what I mean by that is that, man, every day something bad is getting thrown at you in sales and you got to have somebody that can shake it off and stand back up, take the rejection and go out there and get it one more time. And so that's kind of an exciting part of it. I'm excited to hear about your story, Tom. So grateful that you spent some time with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. Welcome back to the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with Tom Hamp, Executive and Business Coach for Advocate Coach of Mid-Michigan. And Tom, you know, early on in our visit here today, you talked a little bit about a baseball coach. I think about those people that have meant the most to us. And as you're learning the business, you're a young person in sales, you're trying to figure your way out. Isn't it amazing at some of the lessons learned from those people that you probably didn't expect to learn a lot, but you retained it all your life. And you mentioned a baseball coach. Is that one of those kind of guys that all your life he's made a difference in that regard? Yeah, Vic, he was extremely important, and you're right. I do take a lot of his wisdom and knowledge with me still today. And, you know, it's 30 years ago. So his name's Dar Pesca. He was our high school baseball coach at Ithaca. And really, he just had so many common sense lessons. First and foremost, we practice hard on the fundamentals. And in baseball, for those of you that may know or may not know, there's tons of situations, right? Runners on first and second with one out. Runners on first with nobody. Runners on third with no. I mean, we practice over and over to the point of no. Nauseum, but 
we would start early in the springtime when the snow was still on the ground, but the parking lot was empty. We'd just work on situations because we didn't want to have any surprises in the baseball right. game. So yep. when the ball got hit to us, wherever position we played, we had practiced that many times over. So we knew exactly what to do along with that is the backups on every hit ball or every situation, everybody's moving on the field for backups, potential backups, overthrows, that kind of stuff. So it's all about preparation, right? So we as coaches, as an advocate, we talk to our businesses and people that are in business about preparation. You can never be too prepared. You certainly can analyze till you're paralyzed, but preparation is the key to be able to come off, whether you're in sales, business, whatever you are. Well, you know what? I just love that, Tom. I think that's such grand advice because uh, we used to say the five Ps, proper prior preparation prevents poor performance. Not easy to say, but the whole point is, is that thinking about where you need to be. And I think if you watch how fast a baseball play can develop on the field, if you in your mind have it on automatic because you know this is what you do in this situation, well, holy cow, you can bam, 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 and all of a sudden you've got a double play wrapped up or you got the play at home or whatever it is, but it makes all the difference. And when you're dealing with young people, having them think ahead like that really gives them some critical thinking skills. You know, Tom, I just got to pull up here for a second and just thank people like your coach that probably didn't get paid a lot of money to be a baseball coach, right? Right. And so, and yet he gave up time from his family, did all those other things in addition to whatever his day job, maybe he was a teacher. But the whole point is, wow, what gifts. And then to have you as a highly successful business person in mid-Michigan coaching other great successful people, thinking about the messages and the things he did for you, that's truly a gift of a lifetime. And I think other people out there that haven't ever considered offering themselves up as a coach or a mentor like that in those youth programs, what a difference it can make, right? Huge. It's lifelong, right? It's huge. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. Well, you know, when you think about being prepared, part of that is trying to think through some of the essential things that could happen. So when you're coaching business, tell me about your thoughts in terms of taking that baseball diamond knowledge and laying it into a boardroom or a executive suite. Well, it's funny is that one of the things that he always had the initial meeting at the beginning of the year and he says, I don't care what questions you have or your parents have. He says, you can ask me anything. He says, even during the season, whatever the case, he says, I just want to ask everybody one thing, that you and your parents be prepared for the answer. Uh-huh. And I think that carries with me as a coach is that we say in the coaching business, we need to be 50% supportive. And the other 50%, we need to be challenging our clients. And that is pushing them forwards, right? So when they ask or when people ask me, why isn't this happening or should this be going in this direction? All I'm asking is you be prepared for the answer because we're going to work together to try to get there. But I'm going to be full transparent with you and not going to sugarcoat it because you're not paying me to sugarcoat it. And so we need to move in that direction. So he really set the stage. Yep, if I'm not sitting on the bench and I'm going to have my parents come in and talk to him while I'm sitting on the bench, that I just need to be prepared for the answer that I need to work on certain things or I'm not quite good enough or whatever the case is. You know, Tom, I think that itself is so important for people running organizations, leading people and doing some of the hard things that have to be done in today's business is being able to have the crucial conversations. And it feels so incredibly, when you step back from it, easy and simple. But, you know, those courageous conversations are something that have to be done and a lot of people sugarcoat things to the point that you can't even tell what they said. And one of the techniques that I used to use in business for me, Tom, was to say, now, listen, we've just talked about this. Tell me what you heard and have them repeat that lesson back to me. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. 
Vic, because here's the thing is that you think you've gotten through, right? You think you've communicated well, but there's really two parties or certainly more than one party. So you have to get feedback on how they're receiving the message, because a lot of times they are only listening. Maybe you got to a certain point and they stopped listening or you've offended them or you've hurt their feelings, whatever the case is. But that's a great way to get, okay, are we moving in the right direction? Did we get the full communication on the table? Because if we haven't, then there's a disconnect there. Yeah, you know, and we're wasting each other's time. If we're not communicating and you're not, you know, I'm not saying things that you're connecting to, and there's no harm in that. It's just I'm sometimes amazed at how when it's so crystal clear in my mind, I've got subordinates or people that have got to execute that program, and they have no clue. And that's a failure on my part as a leader. It's not them. We've got to be able to build that out and make sure that there's some clarity and all that. And boy, i got to tell you, Tom, you're helping me with some clarity today. I'm really glad you joined us here on Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. This is Leadership Lowdown. We've got Tom Hamp, Executive Business Coach of Abbey Coach of Mid-Michigan, and he is truly a great gem for us to find and talk leadership with. And Tom, when I was thinking about some of the challenges that happen along the way, you get in all kinds of executive suites and conversations. Are there any themes that seem to be out there that are reoccurring themes that a number of executives are challenged with, or it seems to be like, yeah, most of them end up in these kind of challenges. Anything like that come to mind? Yeah, absolutely, Vic. So what we've seen out there, and I've been doing this executive coaching for 12 years now, what we've seen out there is that, you know, a lot of times when we hire people, we don't allow them to do the things that they can do. We kind of restrict what they can do because we think that we need to control some of that stuff. And, and as a business owner, which I am one as well, there's that control aspect, right? And so how much stuff do we let go? How much stuff do we trust our people to do with that and to do without our direct supervision? But I think the more we do that and allow people that we've hired, smart and talented people that we've hired to do the things that we hired them to do and get out of their way, it would benefit the company greater than if we had all these restrictions. And I know why those restrictions are there. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was more of a militaristic type hierarchy that, you know, here's the task for today and get these done and move forward and that kind of stuff. It's just not the same today. We can let some of that stuff go and it gets in the way. And then there's the other side of that too, where we got some owners that just totally are hands off. I think you need a good mix because you don't want to be surprised that somebody's embezzled or went off <laughs> the reservation and that kind of stuff. And so I think there needs to be a mix. So human resources, how we deal with that, onboarding, hiring, recruiting, and then once they're there, being able to delegate and you know have expectations and those types of things. That's a huge thing for most companies that we run into. Well, I think that's really interesting. You know, it is a fine line between really too much oversight and meddling in some of your employees' yeah. abilities. And then the whole thing, I'm a hands-off guy. One of my businesses that I was responsible for, I had a staff member that completely gave everything over to his assistant. 
I mean everything and the checkbook and everything else. And she politely and very succinctly took a million dollars out of the business embezzlement. And uh, just amazing in a small town where you wouldn't think anything like that would happen. But some of that is the blend between hands-on, hands-off. And I love where you went with that because you hire people with talents, but then we smother them with some of those rules and restrictions. Tell me, how do you help somebody that is maybe, I'm going to say control freak. There's probably a professional way to put that, but that's really a controlling entity and has a talented person underneath them. And that person probably is not going to stay because they're getting micromanaged. So tell me, is there ways for that? If I'm an employee in that situation, how do I build trust with that micromanager? So one of the first things we do with Coach when we're having those first initial meetings is we do the org chart. And so, you know, a lot of times the CEO, owner, president name is in a lot of the boxes of the org chart because they're responsible, right? But my job as their executive coach is to start backing them out of those boxes over time. So what day-to-day operations, and we like to say, we want you to act your wage or be presidential. Yes, I know the bookkeeping is important to you, but is that possible to delegate to somebody else? How can we start backing you out of the accounts receivable, accounts payable box or the bookkeeping box? small increments of time because it took a while to get there right so how can we back you out is there somebody that can do it in the company can we bring somebody for five hours a week to do it so where your time can be spent more as a visionary growing the company and those types of things so that is an exercise that we as advocates try to accomplish in that we want to back you out to where you're not working for you know 70 hours a week and that type of thing and being stressed and juggling all those balls and wondering you know when you're going to get sleep next time so that's a process that we go through but it's not an easy one and you have to be willing to let go and i will tell you that i've had to have those serious conversations and had to disengage with a client because at the end of the day they say it's still my business i want to do it that way well that's your prerogative that's your decision and then you know we part ways and part friends yeah and i'm not going to force anything if it doesn't work for you. well you know that was interesting because that was what was going through my mind You're talking to people that are entrepreneurs typically. A lot of times they built the thing from scratch. They're now multi-million dollar entities and they're still trying to run it like they're doing it from their garage and they have all these challenges. And I think at some point in time, what you just said is that, look, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And if this is one of those deals, we don't need to annoy you. You continue down the path you're on. Seems to work for you. Have a nice day, right? I think that's where you got to go. It is exactly. There are certain plateaus in business that every business vertical is different, but the million dollar threshold, what the decisions and things that you are doing got you to a million dollars won't be able to continue. You cannot pull the same levers to get you above and beyond that. And then we think that about 18 to 22 million is another threshold. Whatever got you there, you need something else or different to move in an even higher position. So we've just noticed there's different ceilings that you just have a hard time pushing through without really changing it up. Whether you need to change as an owner or CEO, or you need to bring somebody else in or change it up altogether. So we've seen these over time. It's kind of documented that these are some thresholds that we try to push through. I love it, Tom. You know, we have an old saying, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotten. And I know today, right now, I'm growing. I thank you for your time, Tom, to be here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks so much for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. This is Leadership Lowdown. We found Tom Hamp, executive business coach for Avid Coach of Mid-Michigan, and he is absolutely a treasure for us to have here on the Michigan Business Network. Tom, I think about some of these critical elements, and so we just got done with going down the path of some important, crucial conversations and different things that executives need to have. When you think about other elements, give me another top five or top three thing that you would coach to that you think is really important. Initially, Vic, when I got into the copier business when I started my own professional career before I started being a coach was the topic or the science or art or however you want to term it of networking, being out there, being able to network with other people. And at first I just thought it was taking my sales reps away from selling because, you know, these networking groups, they were asked to be a treasurer or the president or whatever the case is. But once I started my own business, I saw how vital, I don't use that word sparingly, but it's vital to really the lifeblood of your business, getting referrals, people seeing you out there, having conversation with you, the different organizations that you join with volunteer opportunities, that type of thing. But networking is so crucial to the growth of your business, the growth personally, that type of thing. So again, I would really hang my hand on networking and that it's not easy. It's not just having a conversation, but there's a certain art and strategy to it, that type of thing. Well, help me unpack those strategies because I got to tell you, I can wear the lampshade in the room and everybody knows Vic Versero when they get all done and it's, you know, you can do it, but that's not a natural thing for me. And so what's interesting to me is I get in one of my most dreaded things is going into a room full of people that I'm supposed to network in. There's cocktails and a plate of food and I'm balancing all that in my hand and then trying to figure out how to walk up to a stranger and start up the conversation. So you say there are strategies. Tell me your thoughts on some of this stuff. Yeah, so there really is a lot to unpack, but I realize we only have a short time. But right. really, what you want to do is just have a strategy going in. How many do you want to talk to on a serious level about you, your business, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, whether you're just trying to meet people for opportunities as a salesperson in a business or just share ideas, have an idea how many people you want to have quality conversations. And I totally understand, Vic, what you're saying about, you know, it's tough for a lot of people. That's probably one of the reasons I became an ambassador, because I think that I'm pretty good at it. And part of our responsibility as the chamber ambassadors here in Lansing is to find those wallflowers and pluck them off the wall and help introduce them to the membership of the people that are better at it. Outstanding. Let me pull up just for a second there, Tom. When you say ambassador, you're talking about the Chamber of Commerce has a position called an ambassador. Could you just briefly describe that for us? Yeah, so there's 20 of us, or typically there's 20 positions for that, and we help the chamber navigate some of their events, ribbon cuttings, their dinners, their economic lunches. We just help with the overall smoothness of it all. But again, part of being in the chamber and being a member is that you want to have access to membership. And so what we try to do as ambassadors, we meet every month, by the way, our next meeting is Thursday, and we just discuss the upcoming month, what's going on, and we just help the membership be 
able to connect with each other. You know, if you come to an event and you want to meet Vic Versarol, I'll take you over there because of the 20 ambassadors, we probably know 95% of the membership unless they're new. So again, that's a big part of what we do. Well, thank you for that background. And so when you talk about, there's a couple things I just want to center on this networking process. Have an idea of what you want to accomplish there, how many people you want to talk to. And then I think, can you help me with the whole point of, I don't want it to sound rehearsed, but I need to have an idea of what I can say that would be captivating about my business. Yes and no. So a misnomer is that you have to have the perfect you know, elevator speech, that type of thing. But the way we try to teach it at the networking events and the workshops that I put on is that you want to become armed with great open-ended questions because people love to talk about themselves. So the first thing you got to do is you got to break into those little circles that they all, you know, they form when you're in these networking events. And I don't have any problem busting through those, but some people do. If there's four people talking and it's closed off, they won't approach that. But I'll just say, sorry to interrupt here. I just want to kind of introduce myself and Hey, what brought you here? You know, you're looking for something specific or this, because I'm in networking groups. I'd say, you know what? I'm looking for a good realtor. Even if I'm not, does anybody know a good realtor? Oh, everybody knows a realtor or maybe a financial planner or what insurance, whatever the case is, get people talking and ask questions. And all of a sudden they open up, you learn a lot of stuff. Now they might not ask you a lot of questions, but that's something that maybe you can connect on a one-on-one with an email and a lunch later. But again, you're gathering information, you're breaking into these groups, you're asking good open-ended questions. And at the end of the session, they're going to go, man, I really like that Tom Hip because one, I listened to everything they had to say. And when he reaches out or I'll reach out to him and we can set up, you know, an appointment to share more information in depth. Yeah, man, that's just brilliant, Tom, honestly, because I think people do like to talk about themselves. And then part of what happens is that whole process is after you've asked them five or six open-ended questions, they finally say, what do you do, Tom? And then all of a sudden they're ready to hear from you. So that's just great stuff. Great coaching. I can see why you're such a successful leadership coach and so glad you're here on Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. This is our final segment. I'm so sad it went so quickly. We're with Tom Hamp. He's the executive 
business coach of Advy Coach of Mid Michigan. And of course, Tom has some great thoughts and ideas. It fits right into the leadership lowdown. And so when I'm thinking about this, Tom, I guess let me ask an open-ended question like we talked about last time. In your mind, what is a good leadership, but what does good leadership look like? Yeah, so it's interesting, Vic. I do read, I shouldn't say read, but I listen to a lot of books. I'm a huge Audible fan, but, you know, over the last couple of months, I've read some great leadership stuff about how different we are here in the States than they are overseas as far as leadership. So in the Asian community, they're making decisions for the good of the community where we're labeled as we're making decisions as a leader for what's good for our company or ourselves and that kind of stuff. But leadership is a lot of things. One of the things that I guess I don't like about what they do is they put servant leadership together. And I'm not a big fan of that because that's a given. If you're a leader, it should be already given that you're a servant because if you're spiritual at all, you know Jesus and how he operated and that type of thing. So it's extremely important to me. So to be a good leader out there, I think you got to be kind first and foremost. You know, leaders sometimes are branded with this, you know, take no prisoners attitude and it doesn't have to be like that. So again, one of the things that you can do as a good leader is be kind and certainly be of the servant attitude. I think volunteering for different boards and things out there, nonprofits helps out. I know for me, when I'm searching out good leadership is that when I come to a new situation, I always seek out the people that are leaders in that situation or opportunity and say, okay, how'd you get to where you are? Tell me what steps you took because they've obviously know the formula or the secret recipe. So I want to make sure that I understand that going forward. And then there's some organizations that I belong in myself. I'm a Rotarian, currently the president of my current club. Again, having people help the group grow and those types of things are extremely important. Well, yeah. And man, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. And I think we're going to need five or six more shows, Tom. But one of the things that caught my, I'm like, huh? When you talked about servant leadership, because I watch leaders and sometimes there's an ego that gets in there where all of a sudden it's me, me, me. And I don't know where I learned it long ago. But somebody coached me on the whole notion of get rid of the me's and I's in your vocabulary, and it's all we and us. And so part of what was interesting to me is I've done that so much that every once in a while I get into a we and us, and somebody says, well, who else is involved in this? I go, oh, never mind. It's just me. Uh, So I think it's kind of interesting because as servant leadership is something that I found to be really important, but you challenged me a little bit with putting that servant in up front. You're saying it's already in there. It's the way it should be to be a great leader. That's a given. So how do I coach it if I don't really have a way to label it? Yeah, so you can just say that the mindset, right? If you're a great leader, you should have the mindset of being a servant. So I totally get where you're coming from. I think somebody coined the phrase and we've just copied it. But again, to be in our opinion, and when I say our advocate coach and how we teach leadership is that the mindset of being a servant, allowing people, and I'll go back to what my baseball coach, some of the things he did. Today's game in high school, college, the paid coaches coach the bases. In high school, he let his kids coach the bases. Uh-huh. And the reason he did that is he already knew how to do it. So he delegated that and said, I want to teach you. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to wave a runner home that's going to be out by a mile. You're going to stop a kid that should have been waved home. But he says, I already know how to do it. I want you guys to learn (laughs) by doing. And so the mindset of allowing your people or the leader to be a servant and let other people take the limelight, let somebody lead the company meeting. Why do you have to do it? Just because you're the leader? 
again, get out of the way, let your people go and be that servant and promote their careers. And let's see how they can fly and spread their wings. Well, man, that's such a challenging thing. And Tom, I can tell you this time we spent together today, clearly that's why you're so good at what you're doing. Tell me if there's people in our audience that would like to continue this conversation, want to know how to get a hold of you or what you can do for them. Tell us about that. Yeah. So really the website is, it's www.advocoach.com and then backslash THAMP, T-H-A-M-P. So once again, www.advocoach.com backslash T-H-A-M-P. And then the phone number is only one, 517-599-2782. And we'll get back a hold of you if you have to leave a message. Well, and I just got to tell you, in terms of uh, young leaders, and I only have a few seconds left in the show, but what would be the best advice you'd give to some young leaders? Is it read a book? Is it call Tom? Is it get a mentor? Give me the one, two, threes yeah, on that. The biggest thing is just challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone, get to networking events, get next to people that you see are good leaders and learn from them. Be a good mentee. Again, join these groups such as Rotary, Kiwanis, Lions Club, those types of things. You're going to have a lot of great leaders in there. And then get to your local chamber because again, leaders seem to gravitate toward those types of organizations. And again, get out of your comfort zone. It's so easy just to attend at a table where you know everybody and those types of things. And use us as ambassadors if you're local. So you uh, that's what I'd say. And grow a little. Well, Tom, thanks so much. You're just spectacular. Thank you, sir. You bet, Vic. Thank you for the opportunity. And thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. Can't wait to talk to you next time.